0: And welcome back to Drip, aka Don't Read Into a Podcast, a podcast where I review movies, TV shows, and books. I'm your host, Noelia, and this week I am very excited. We're going back to normal. I don't know if you guys have listened to the other episodes, but past two episodes have been a little bit different because for episode three, I only reviewed a movie and a book, and for episode four, I reviewed an entire tv series with my brother Diego. But this week we're going back to normal. We're doing a movie, a tv show, and a book. Also if the audio sounds a little bit different it's because I'm finally using a mic. Before I had only been using my phone but I do have a camera mic. The thing is with a camera mic is that you have to use a camera while you're recording. So right now I'm filming as I talk and I might put it on the Instagram maybe like a couple of clips but the reason I avoided this is because I seriously don't like what I look like on camera. So yeah, but if I go through this and I like some clips, I might just take them out and put them on the Instagram or put the whole thing maybe even on Instagram TV, Instagram whatever that's called, the long form. Yeah, okay. I'm also not going to be looking at the camera because my camera because my computer is right in front of me and I have a script. So, and also I have like research I want to read, quotes, you know, I do the whole thing. So, will I be looking at the camera that much? Probably not. So, if that bothers you, maybe I won't put it on Instagram. I don't know, we'll see. Okay, so this week's theme is a deep dive into unhealthy relationships on the screen and on the page. The episode name, as you can tell, is Toxic Relationships and Entertainment. And the description I kind of put was that I was going to be diving into the film Black Bear, Normal People and the book Daisy Jones and the Six. So basically I'm just going into the different glimpses of toxic relationships and how the portrayals take a different take from the long-held tradition of romanticizing unhealthy relationships. I am really passionate about this. I think one of my least favorite things to see on TV, I have a lot of them, but something I really don't like to see is unhealthy relationships romanticized in any sort of capacity i think even though i joke around about loving twilight and the vampire diaries and stuff i most definitely do not condone any of those relationships i think obviously it's a little bit layered because there are vampires in those stories (laughs) but i don't think that those are in any way shape or form good representations of what a healthy relationship is so i think it's really important to talk about this and i don't see a lot of critics even ever talking about how unhealthy relationships really should stop being portrayed as something that's like something that you want. So yeah. Okay so the film I'm talking about is as I said Black Bear. This came out very recently. In fact two days before my birthday on December 4th. My birthday's on December 6th. Not on December 4th. I don't know if that was clear or not. So my mom just fucked it. I'm gonna have to cut that out. (laughs) This is the first film that I've reviewed from 2020. I actually am kind of sad because I haven't seen that many films from 2020. And, like, it's really embarrassing to say, but one of the films that I've watched from 2020 is, like, The Kissing Booth 2. Like, that is so embarrassing, you know? But I think it's obviously because of the pandemic. I can't go to the movies as much, which is a total bummer. But this movie is available for rent and obviously buying, but I don't know who would buy a movie. It's like a... I'm going to be honest with you, if it's not your favorite movie of all time and you're not going to watch it at least once a month, or like once every couple of months, few months, you should not be buying a movie. I don't care if you're rich. That It's like the, the energy of that is wrong to me. Anyway, basically, it, you can rent it on Amazon. I think it's like $5.99 to rent, so $6, which is kind of hefty for renting a movie, but it's brand new, so I kind of get it. I'm also, I I really appreciate that. The movie is even available for rent because I know movies like Tenet and Mulan and I can't really think of any others. But the movies that are available to watch online that were supposed to be on the big screen are super expensive. They're like 15 bucks. I don't care if like a movie ticket was normally $13. You should not be doing that. You're not getting the full movie theater experience. So why the heck would you pay $15 to watch Mulan? Which I heard was bad anyway. Like... I think it's a waste. So I do appreciate that this one was available to rent. I rent movies all the time. It's not my best quality because I do waste a lot of money and I could just be watching movies on streaming services I already have. But I find that a lot of the times the movies I'm like dying to see, I have to rent. So it's a sacrifice, okay? Anyway, so the synopsis of this movie from Wikipedia as usual, is at a remote lake house a couple entertains an out-of-town guest looking for inspiration in her filmmaking. The group quickly falls into a calculated game of desire, manipulation, and jealousy, unaware of how dangerously convoluted their lives will soon become in the filmmaker's pursuit of a work of art which blurs the boundaries between autobiography and invention. The movie was first released at Sundance in January and in my opinion, okay, You can look up reviews of this film. I'm not gonna read the bad reviews because they were really bad. And a lot of them are like kind of vulgar, like they kind of have bad words in them, so I'm not gonna read them. Basically, I think Aubrey Plaza's performance was beyond words. I think it's her best role yet. I think she did an incredible job. I was right there with her. I think her character sucked. Like, you know, (laughs) like her character's personality wasn't great. I don't think so. I don't think any, I don't think there's a single likable character in this film, actually. Some of the periphery characters were pretty likable, but these, like, main characters were kind of unlikable, and I think that's the point of the movie, uh, but I think Aubrey Plaza did a great job. She was, like, on the ground crying, screaming, hysterical, catatonic at some points. It was great. But, yeah, it has bad reviews for some reason. Her performance specifically has bad reviews, which I... Genuinely don't understand, but I have this weird habit, I guess, of liking movies that get, like, really bad reviews. Not movies that are like, oh, I like Twilight, you know what I mean? But movies that I genuinely believe are, like, good in the sense of cinematography, the script, the mise-en-scene, like, every element of the movie, the, the form, I think it's great, and the plot. I don't know. And that's not uh, me being quirky. It's just like me actually genuinely being confused why these movies get horrible reviews. And I like study films. So sometimes I just get confused. An example of this is a movie called Life Itself. Uh, Me and my brother are kind of in the same boat about this. We thought it was a great movie but the reviews are like horrible, terrible, want to gouge my eyes out. The worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Could never sit through it again. And I'm always like what? I think about this often too. I just don't understand why people don't like the movie. Anyway, if you've seen it, let me know. Hit me up in the Instagram DMs. Another thing I think is a really important to mention <laughs> is that Christopher Abbott, who's in Girls, and he's in this movie, he's the main character, is literally Kit Harrington. <laughs> this man, Christopher Abbott, is literally Kit Harrington. He's just the American version and taller. They look the exact same. Anyway, onto the cinematography. It wasn't breathtaking or really the focus of the film. I think the point was to not make the film look too much like a film because it it's a huge mind game. Um, and that's where I get into the confusing portion of this and I'm sorry if you don't follow, we're just gonna have to try, okay? Basically, it's a film within a film, but frankly, in my opinion, and also in my brother's opinion, it's, two films within a film. So basically, we start out with the story and then halfway through, we realize it's fiction. And we follow an actress and her director boyfriend slash husband, it's left unclear what they really are. And their problems in terms of cheating and working together on a set. There's this really ambiguous sense to the whole thing, but I'll try to explain. The beginning portion of the film follows three people. The synopsis I gave in the beginning is that first half of the film. And then we cut, there's an ending to that, and we cut halfway through the movie. It's almost exactly halfway through Black Bear. And we realize that Aubrey Plaza's character is an actress and she's acting on a set. And then the director comes to Aubrey Plaza and starts telling her, like, just directing her, giving her advice for whatever. And then you realize that the two are in a relationship this is supposedly real life right the fake stuff was what happened in the first half of the movie that was the film that they're shooting but the confusing part is that kit harrington aka chris sabat aka aubrey plaza's character's husband boyfriend he's an actor in the movie that we see in the beginning of the movie is this making sense um but basically he's an actor in that movie but in the movie that they're shooting halfway through the film when it's revealed that all of this is a lie this also is not a spoiler it doesn't follow my first act rule however it's in the trailer so I'm not spoiling anything I knew this before I watched the movie and basically what's going on here is he's the director in this movie that they're shooting in supposedly the past right and the movie that we watched in the beginning is the current version of the film that was released okay we're following here, I hope. And he's he's an actor in that movie. However, in the movie that they're shooting currently, he's the director. And there's another actor playing the role that he plays in the film that we watched in the beginning, which is the final product of this film that they're currently shooting. The way that this is just circumlocution at this point, I just... Do you follow... I don't know. Keeping you on your toes. But basically, what's going on is that him and Aubrey... <laughs> she has a name. Her name in the story is Allison, but I'm gonna say Aubrey Plaza. It's a horrible habit of mine. I'm gonna continue doing it. And I'll call Christopher Abbott, aka, I don't know his name in the movie, actually. I just kept thinking Kit Harrington. I'll just call him Kit Harrington, actually. Okay, so Aubrey Plaza and <laughs> Kit Harrington, American Kit Harrington, are in this relationship, but it's strained because he's directing her as an actress, which is the problem, the, the crux of the film. It's kind of the big question, like, can you work with someone you love on a set? And so they're having these issues, and Kit Hampton is kind of purposely playing mind games. I won't say exactly why, but he wants to get in her head so that she delivers this incredible performance for his film. Things end up going to bleep, <laughs> and it's just kind of this constant uh, spiral of Who's lying to who and really what people's intentions are in working together, whether they're in it for the fame, the relationship, the experience of just working together. It's it's really actually very complicated and I've seen a lot of different theories circulating through the internet. I think Oliver and I, Oliver my brother who I watched it with, I think we kind of have the most popularized idea of what's going on. But there are some people that are saying some crazy things about him. But uh, the way that this ties into the theme is pretty clear. I think it's actually painfully clear that this story is about a toxic relationship because in the films, within the film, that's the main subject. So in the film that we watch in the first half of the movie and in this sort of like meta filmmaking film. It's it's also the crux of the issue, right? Like, Aubrey Plaza and Kit Harington are not getting along because they're toxic for each other. And I think that for sure it's not romanticized, this, like, toxic relationship, because at the end of both separate sections of the film, we sort of get this idea that the relationship is most definitely not bringing any, any sort of joy to either of these people. It's causing them to betray each other in ways kind of unimaginable and this constant subject of cheating is just brought up and brought up and brought up and shown. So I I think obviously it's straying away from that Hollywood romanticized The Vampire Diaries idea that toxic relationships are the best and that they're the most fruitful because they're the most exciting whatever. Whatever have you that horrible mentality that toxic relationships are the goal. This is definitely not showing that, let me just tell you. <laughs> I think Aubrey Plaza is great at showing the deep desperation of wanting to make something work and avoiding rejection, but then doing something horrible just to get attention and retaliate. And there's this self-sabotage element to every single person in the film that is sort of presenting this toxic relationship mentality. And it's a, it's a bad cycle. It inspires her But at the end of the day, that inspiration is the only fruitful thing that she got from that relationship. Which is something, but it's definitely not enough to stay with someone. I think, I'm not going to reveal, you know, exactly what happens at the end of the movie, but it is an ambiguous ending. You're not exactly sure if they remain together or not. But in my idealized world, I don't think they end up together. I think they're way too toxic for each other. They honestly don't love each other. The things that they do to each other, the things that they say to each other, that's not love. That's infatuation. That's just getting way too ahead of yourself in a relationship that just doesn't make sense. And, yeah. So, that is what I think the theme of this, like, toxic relationships and straying away from them has to do with the film. Moving on. (laughs) Uh I'm not going to read reviews. I already said I wouldn't because I think there are bad reviews for this movie and it just came out so you can't really tell exactly how people feel because it's also not that accessible to people since you still have to rent it. So I don't think the reviews are there yet. In my opinion, I don't think they're there yet. I, and it, I know that sounds like, oh, I don't see what I want to hear. Meow. It's not that. It, I think it's more like I don't see any review that I think is fair just yet, completely fair, you know? A lot of reviews are like, I hate Aubrey Plaza, I hate the worst, she ruins everything I watch. What kind, of, what kind of review is that? I really think that's so cheap. Moving on, TV series. Caroline Morris, this one is for you. I have been recommended to watch this by two people, which is technically 20% of my audience. <laughs> so I'm doing it. <laughs> Basically, I'm reviewing Normal People. I watched this over the summer, maybe even before over the summer, but I did do a a review on it for The Tower if you guys wanna check it out. The title of it is Normal People colon, a portrayal of modern intimacy. It took everything in me just now to say that. I don't know why that was so hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) but anyway if you guys want to check out that review I did do that and it's one of my favorite articles I've ever written for the tower so I thought it was like a good thing to bring up on the podcast and once again I'm going to read the wikipedia description of it okay the series follows Marianne and Connell through their time at secondary school in county sligo I don't know I don't know how to pronounce that sligo 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 Okay, Mm, that's embarrassing. Okay, I'm just going to restart and not say any locations. The series follows Marianne and Connell through their time at secondary school in Ireland on the Atlantic Coast and later as undergraduates at Trinity College Dublin. The focus is mainly Connell's and Marianne's complex relationship. Among her peers at secondary school, Marianne is regarded as an oddball, though she regrets having any care for social standing. Despite her academic achievements, her home life is complicated by her dismissive mother. My Siri just went off. Okay, I'll come back to it. Okay, Let me just turn it off real quick. A.K. Okay. Wait, why is it still going? Okay. <laughs> Despite her academic achievements, her home life is complicated by her dismissive mother, Denise, and her resentful brother, Alan. Her father is deceased and is later revealed to have been a domestic abuser, though her family avoids mentioning him. Connell is an athletic, high achieving student living with a single mother, Lorraine, who is employed by Denise as a cleaner. He's popular in school, though he is diminished by remaining silent while Marianne is constantly bullied. This creates complexity as their relationship develops. So basically, from that description, what you need to know: Marianne, rich. Connell, not as rich. (laughs) What else? Marianne is kind of a pain in the butt, but I think Connell is also the worst. Caroline Caroline Morris, I know you're listening. I am so sorry if we don't have the same opinions on this TV show because you really, really wanted me to review it, but I don't want to let you down. I do love this TV show, but I don't like any of the characters. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm literally so sorry but (laughs) it's the weirdest thing with me because I I genuinely enjoyed the show so much. I remember telling my brother right after I finished it, being like, I need to watch a TV show that is exactly this again. I don't know, I liked it so much. I had like, I wouldn't say I had a fun time watching it but I had this like deep rooted investment in the TV show. But weirdly enough, I don't like any of the main characters. I think... I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But I'll talk about the cinematography right now. It's beautiful. It's this blue and light color palette and it looks like what I thought Ireland would look like. <laughs> I know I'm not saying anything right now, but I thought the cinematography was great. I think for a TV show, for Hulu TV show, for whatever it it was just really good i think a lot of the times i'm kind of a hater towards a lot of tv shows i watch more movies than i watch tv i've always done that i've always been like that i know a lot of people are the opposite but i've always just watched way more movies like in the span of a week than i have of tv so naturally i'm a hater because i'm more used to movies and because i'm a hater (laughs) of. TV series, I will purposely dig at things that I know that TV shows just don't have that movies have. For example, that cinematography aspect, that's like huge in films, you know? If you have a movie with poor cinematography, it's not going to be nominated for an Oscar. You know that. You literally know that. It's just that's just how it is or if it's not like distinct cinematography it doesn't have to be the best in the world but it has to be unique or something right tv shows don't operate the same way like sitcoms definitely don't operate the same way i'm sorry if you can hear a plane i live near an airport but i also live in orlando so it could be a spaceship because of nasa I'm just kidding. <laughs> they don't do that. Do they do that? Gosh, I don't know. It's still not going away. Okay, kind of went away now. Okay, so yeah, basically, I will do this thing where I'll be like, "Uh, TV series. They don't have good cinematography." Blah blah. Because it's, it's not that they don't have good cinematography. It's just not that. F- film like there's something almost fleeting about a film because it it is fleeting you're not gonna get it again you're not gonna get to see it start over again if it's a series maybe you'll get like the plot again but with a lot of movies I love that feeling that it's just never gonna happen again Oh gosh, but the, I think that's another reason the cinematography is so important other than the fact that it's a Staple of the industry and employs a lot of people. Okay, so my camera stopped, but I'm back. Basically I will often say that TV shows have bad cinematography because obviously that's not what TV shows focus on At least not the same way that films focus on it But normal people kind of defies that a little bit because I do notice a lot of techniques that are being done that make it look like a movie sometimes. I mean TV shows and films are, you know, pretty similar, obviously, but even down to the frames per second, for example, it's different, you know? And it is shot differently, like uh, the both TV shows and films are shot differently. So I, I thought it was really refreshing to see, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, for example, like the cinematography is so good that I'm like, this is better than any movie I've ever, not any movie, but it's better than a lot of movies I've seen. Uh, a lot of the times TV shows aren't like that. They have to have huge, huge budgets. But I I really liked the cinematography of normal people. I thought it was very beautiful, very refreshing. It really did look like a movie sometimes. Which, personally, I appreciate because I do like movies more than TV shows. I get more invested. Okay. But Caroline Morris... (laughs) Like, how many times can I say Caroline Morris in this podcast episode? Okay. Now that I have distracted you all with me talking about cinematography, I will now talk about what will make Caroline Morris a little bit disappointed in me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if you're disappointed. But I don't think that Connell should be romanticized ever. Nor do I think that Marianne should ever be romanticized or even held to the pedestal of being a decent person. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, Caroline. And ultimately, (laughs) I don't think, I don't think, I don't think, that their relationship should be romanticized either there is something absolutely repulsive (laughs) how far can i go with this okay there is something absolutely repulsive to me about them being together about them even holding hands about them being in the same room okay i this is not a love story okay they're not in love i genuinely believe that. And I guarantee you that what is her name? <laughs> the author of this book did not write this book so that people want to be in a relationship like Connell and Marianne. I don't think that's why she wrote this book. I can't go in her mind. I can't guarantee it for sure, but I can pretend to guarantee that that is not the point of the story. Okay. It's painful and extremely relatable. But definitely, definitely, in my opinion, not romantic. At least not all the way through. They have romantic moments, obviously. And I think the reason it takes place over several years is to show that people shouldn't be with someone forever when it's toxic. That's why it shows these ups and downs and how they break up and get back together. Because if they stayed in a relationship throughout the whole entire, like, the duration of the narrative... I I genuinely don't think that either of them would be walking around like normal human beings. I think they would both be in, like, inpatient facilities, getting treated. (laughs) This is so... I'm exaggerating, but I don't think I am. I think they would both be in deep, deep, deep depressions if they stayed together that whole time. Something very bad would have happened if they stayed together throughout the whole duration of the tv show i'm glad they were together for some of it but i don't necessarily believe that they are meant for each other that they're what the kids call end game i really don't believe that they are i think they both taught each other incredible life lessons i think connell's mom is the best character in this show (laughs) and she really calls him out which i love and i think it's I think Marianne is a very relatable character especially being a female in the 21st century blah 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 there's these you know systems put in place where you're either a feminist or you're not a feminist right and if you're a feminist and you do things that go against the movement you're kind of labeled a hypocrite but it's hard because we're all human so I think Marianne shows that really really well I personally don't think And this is me on my high horse whatever I don't think I would make the same decisions that Marianne did however I have no clue I'm not Irish I don't live in Ireland and I don't have her life experience (laughs) I don't know why it matters that she's from Ireland but I personally don't think that I would do some of the things that Marianne does again me on my high horse I don't know somebody put me in the situation I'll see but I do think And I do do like the story so much and I think it's because it shows that Marion and Connell might be what you think is a perfect relationship because they're both beautiful, like literally beautiful human beings and they're smart and they get each other but they should not be together. And that's fine. That happens all the time. That happens with people in real life and in fiction all of the time. In fact, the book that I'm going to talk about, two people are like, they seem perfect for each other, but you know that if they were together, it would be horrid. They would hate their lives. And it doesn't matter. You, you can like the same books as someone and the same TV shows as someone, and it can be so easy to talk to them, and you still should not be in a relationship. That's what friendship is for. <laughs> um, or just like being pen pals. Like, maybe you shouldn't hang out with each other every day. That's just my opinion. But I, I, I do really like the show. Oh, I realized I didn't even rate um, Black Bear. I think out of five, I would give Black Bear a three and a half. Don't ask me why, I just, that's how I felt. I think for me, it's pretty hard to watch things about toxic relationships, it frustrates me. It frustrates me, it gets in my head. But I like the narrative structure of Black Bear enough where I don't think it's a three, but I definitely don't think it's four. So I would say three and a half. As for normal people, I would give it a four and a half. I love this TV show. Even though I just spent like six minutes talking about how much I don't like the characters, I truly enjoyed this show. And I think that goes to show the author, what is her name? Sally Rooney? Let's see. Normal. people Book. Yeah, Sally Rooney. My mind. Okay. I think Sally Rooney did a great job with this book. The plot might not be per se original, right? There's so many stories about people that meet in high school, break up, get back together, go to the same college, blah, blah, blah. But I think Sally Rooney Is using the plot as a vehicle to drive the themes of the story because uh, there's so much especially in the book I haven't read it but I have seen a lot of reviews because I really want to read it but I've seen a lot of reviews talking about how it's like at the end of the day this Marxist sort of story I'm not gonna go on about communism okay I won't but (laughs) because I could girl I could go on about communism but I'm not going to but basically the story I think the this, like, love story is a vehicle for portraying this sort of discussion about wealth and what, what affordances, if you will, wealth gives you, and the sort of things you lose regardless of how much money you make, and the sort of things you lose and gain being below the poverty line or something, even though I really don't think Connell is below the poverty line, but it's a working class story, in my opinion, and I think this like idea of college is really really important in the story and it shows how some people in college, you know, come into their own whatever but a lot of the times there's this element of wealth. When you go to college and you completely change who you are and you become this inte- intellectual academic whatever. But there's this element of wealth to that. There's this element of, you know, being rich. And Marianne is the epitome of that, right? Where she goes to college, glows up, if you will, becomes this academic, she's always been an academic, but she becomes very, very academia, obsessed with poetry, wears tights, (laughs) Um, which I just think goes hand, hand in hand. And Connell is just trying to get an education. You know, he's literally just glad to be there. He's glad to be getting an education in English, and... That's another thing, I love English majors. A lot of my friends are English majors, and shout out. (laughs) And I think Connell has this way of thinking about the world that is so different from Marianne, and I don't think that necessarily makes it impossible for them to be in a relationship, but it's not until they get over their images of the world that they can ever, and I mean Ever even think about having a relationship together because they come from the same town but completely opposite spheres of intellect and perspectives that are so polar opposites it's unbelievable it's literally unbelievable it's fictitious that they would come from the same town however Sally Rooney great job (laughs) if you're listening to I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I do think she did a great job of creating the story that is captivating for young people because love stories in college and high school, they're fascinating, especially those ones that are impossible because one of them is ashamed of the other and it's secretive and mysterious. However, I don't think that was her point. I don't think that was her end-all be-all. Obviously, again, I'm not in the mind of Sally Bruni, but. Uh, that's m- my take on it, and I think it's really, really impressive the way that she creates this narrative around what she's really trying to say, which is what good literature is. I think the best books out there they follow a man in the jungle, but *Heart of Darkness* is not actually about a man in a jungle. I've never read *Heart of Darkness*, but my older brother is like obsessed with it, so I'm pretending I have. But okay, for example. The easiest one to think about, one of my favorite books in the world, The Picture of Dorian Gray. You really think that the picture of Dorian Gray is about a beautiful man and a painting turning ugly and you know <laughs> This is the worst way to describe that book. Oscar Wilde, girl, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, like that 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 narrative of Dorian Gray is a vehicle for the theme. The theme is what's actually going on. The theme is what Oscar Wilde actually wanted to write about. And you can see that and obviously English classes make you much better at identifying that. But it's also like obvious. You read the picture of Dorian Gray, you don't think, huh. What was the point of that? You know what the point of that was. You know, it's this whole idea of art and life and vanity and the ways that they come together. Great book if you haven't read it. If you have, let's talk about it. Okay, so I think that's all I'm going to say about Normal People. My overall rating, as I said, four to five stars, I think is what I said. And if I didn't say that, that's what I think. <laughs> okay, before moving on, let's just cut really fast to commercial break. See you guys later. The Catholic U Leadership Team in the Office of Campus Activities has created a new series about applying leadership skills throughout college and life. Tune in to Leadership in 5 and learn about different leadership lessons from your peers. There is also Cups with Joe, an interview-style program hosted by Joseph Arby over everyone's favorite online platform, Zoom. You can listen to both of these exciting programs on our new Instagram, all one word, Catholic U Leadership. Okay, moving on. This I am so excited to talk about. I finished this at four in the morning yesterday, and I think it's really important we talk about this book because as I was reading it, I literally texted my friend, I think I'm reading one of my favorite books. The book is called Daisy Jones and the Six. It's written by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And i have read one of her books before it's actually the book i read right before i read this one it's called the seven husbands of evelyn hugo i thought the book was good i thought it was unique i thought it was fun and i recommend that book as well i could talk about it on another episode but i seriously think daisy jones and the six is a masterpiece okay let's just get into it actually it's written in a format which is like interview style. It's kind of like what the transcript of a documentary would look like, I, at least I think, because the questions are omitted from the actual story. There's one part where the questions are not omitted and there's a bit of an author's note and the author within the story says she has to include it because of something very important. I won't spoil that, but I thought that was such a fun little thing to sprinkle into the book. But yeah it's written in this interview format and multiple characters I mean multiple characters are included in it and it's well done it's obviously quotable because it's all quotes (laughs) and I'm very in love with this book I don't know what else to say so I'm just gonna read the summary as found on Wikipedia as usual. Okay, it says, Daisy Jones and the Six follows a rock band in the 1970s from their rise in the LA music scene to becoming one of the most legendary bands in the world and explores the reason behind their split at the height of their success. Um, It's actually an upcoming Amazon series and it's based on the book and the author describes that she was partially inspired by her experience growing up and watching Fleetwood Mac performances on television. I love Fleetwood Mac, like me and all of my friends love Fleetwood Mac, shout out Alina. I was so invested in reading this book once I read that it was inspired by Fleetwood Mac and I can definitely see those elements in the book and Taylor Jenkins Reed loves like relentlessly successful strong females that are often like very frustrating to read about when they're making horrible decisions but they are so oh my god there's no words for it it's literally ineffable how amazing it is to read when those strong female characters that are really powerful and unrelenting when they're at the height of their success or the height of their self-awareness it either or it is incredible to read and I think it's really cool to see how frustrating these characters are when they're being stubborn and they're making horrible decisions. And when they're making good decisions and they're they're at the peak of their mental well-being, oh my gosh, so much fun to read. And obviously this is a really layered story. It's It seems a little uncomplicated when you're first reading it just because of the format of it all. But oh my gosh, it was so, so incredibly good. I think it's, it's 100% and I know I know what people are gonna say. However, just hear me out. This is the best book I have reviewed on this podcast. If you are going to read one of the books that I recommend on this podcast, please start with this book. It's top five best books I've ever read in my life and I finished it probably like seven hours ago. It is legendary. I have never read anything like it. It's beautiful. I could go on about it forever. But I've never read a book in this format before. I know that there are a lot of books out there in this format. However, this was well crafted. You could tell this woman did all the research in the world because it it takes place in the 70s. Like it oh my gosh, I love this book so much and please 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 read it. Text me. Please, you 10 lis- listeners you Please read it. If you need to borrow it, just text me or DM me and I will mail it to you or drop it off at your doorstep. This book is so good. Oh my gosh. But okay, so let me just get into the theme and how it relates to toxic relationships. Um, I'm sure you can already tell because it's inspired by Fleetwood Mac, but I'm still just going to go into it. The story follows this band, six people. The lead, his name is Billy. Right? He's kind of like a bleep hole just because he thinks that he's in charge of everything. And he's a good guy though. He has a wife. Her name is Camilla. And he wrote a a song about her called Senora, which I think is so I really despise Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello. Why'd I say it like that? I really despise Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello. And I despise the relationship. I despise that they licked each other's faces on the internet. Oh, oh it makes me so uncomfortable so that was the only part of the book that i didn't like that her name was camilla and that he wrote a song about her called senora anyway you know the band starts to rise in fame whatever they're like mediocre at this point and they finally go on tour it's their first album it's their first tour whatever billy kind of falls off the wagon starts doing a lot of drugs because they're rock stars you know they're a rock band and not that it's an excuse but an explanation and he his wife is pregnant, ends up calling him mid-tour, I think it was mid-tour, or right before he left for tour, his wife found out she was pregnant and told him, and he freaked out, and that's why he started doing drugs, because he had a bad dad, and his brother is also in the band, his name is Graham, and I think it's really interesting that they're brothers, there are uh, two other brothers in the band, one of them, his name is Eddie, and he hates Billy, because of this, like, Masculine rivalry, and Billy's always in charge of everything, and Eddie's really jealous of that. Whatever. Um, I also think it's interesting because uh, one of the characters like didn't want to be interviewed, and he's only quoted once in the whole book. His name is Pete, and he's the one that's brothers with Eddie. But the whole time, he didn't even want to be in the band. He was like, I'm just doing this. This is just a phase of my life, whatever. Which I thought was really cool and refreshing to see. Anyway, Graham and Billy are brothers. They had a really horrible dad. So Billy's really scared of being a bad dad. Camilla, his wife, told him, while she was giving birth she said he either comes in here or he's going to rehab the manager ends up taking billy to rehab he gets better he's clean so he gets his stuff together he's a great dad whatever then at the same time that they're like kind of reaching their peak there's an up-and-coming artist her name is daisy jones and she's really really a drug addict (laughs) like i it was hard to read I the whole time I was like if somebody wants to get a kid to get it in their head to never do drugs they should read this book because drugs like ruined her whatever so Daisy Jones is rising in prominence she signs with the same record label as The Six and she doesn't even know them that well because they're not like that famous but they're kind of like rising right? Daisy Jones really just wants to write her own music whatever the record label isn't letting her because she's so new and she has a lot of ego she thinks her the songs she writes are so great but they're not that great and it's not that they're not that great it's just that they're not polished they're not done she's never been formally trained as an artist or as a songwriter so it's like what do you expect Daisy and then eventually I think it was her manager or something who was a horrible manager but or the head of the label I think ends up telling her like we're taking you to court if you don't record a song because all you've been doing is you're signed to us and you're like doing nothing and doing drugs and taking our money you're not recording anything just because we're not recording your original songs what is that? So she finally agrees because she realizes she's being stupid and she records uh already written songs, whatever. The album does okay. She's like an up and coming artist. And then the six are really trying to get famous and you know, they're about to start writing a new album and whatever. And head of the record label is like, you guys need to do something to stand out because you guys are a good band, but you're not as good as what you want to be. Like if you want to be the best band in the world, you're not doing it right. So this guy's... Like that you need to do a feature so he's going through the list of people that are at the record label and he's like uh daisy jones she's not that famous yet but she has a lot of allure the thing with daisy jones too is like she's beautiful very good looking girl you know very mysterious and sensual seriously doesn't care what people think about her (laughs) so billy's like totally not on board but he has no choice because his manager is telling him to do it The head of the label is telling him to do it everyone is basically like why can't we just do this the whole band except billy is like on board so they end up doing it he hates daisy they meet each other hates her hates her guts but they're literally the same person the reason he doesn't like her a big reason is because she does a lot of drugs and they end up writing an album together and they go on tour and They're meant to be like in this fictitious world, the best band in the world basically. They break charts and The album, they just do a really good job, and everyone's obsessed with Daisy and Billy, but Billy's married, and the world thinks that they're secretly in love, but then this Rolling Stone article comes out revealing that they hate each other, and the whole theme of it and the theme of this podcast is toxic relationships, right? I think this book talks about toxic relationships beyond Billy and Daisy. Because Graham ends up falling in love with another girl in the band, her name is Karen. And that whole thing is so complicated, so toxic, (laughs) and there's also this like, I'm really big on like healthy friendships and healthy relationships going beyond just romantic relationships. And some of the friendships are really toxic, Uh, obviously the romantic relationships are toxic, and people's relationships with themselves and drugs and their health super toxic like peak toxic (laughs) and it completely shows the adverse effects of unstable childhoods and like bad parenting and the deep-rooted desire to be successful how that can either ruin a person or just make them really mean and yeah so it's a book about music so obviously there are lyrics sprinkled in and i think that's one of the best parts of the book. At the end of the book, there's, like, a ton of pages of every song that was mentioned and the full lyrics to those, like, fictional songs. Which, again, is just, like, really impressive that Taylor Jenkins Reid not only wrote a book, but wrote, like, 15 songs for the book. It's crazy. That's like a full album. It's really impressive. It's cinematic. So I'm excited for the, for the TV show and I'll definitely review it on the podcast and maybe even do a whole episode of like the book versus the show. But ultimately, I think what the book shows is that these toxic relationships are never ever sustainable. And I I love that the book shows that. Toxic relationships in the book don't last, no matter who you think is cute together because they have these great moments together it doesn't matter they don't end up together because it doesn't make sense you know although the ending is pretty it's left pretty open to interpretation but I'm not gonna say how I think it's a really good ending I think it's one of the best endings I think it's, it's frustrating sometimes that these people are you know so addicted to hurting themselves whether it be through friendships romantic relationships or drugs But at the end of the day like that's what a toxic relationship is it's like you can't rationalize it and i really like that i think it's i think it's worth the read and yeah if i was to rate it i would say five out of five it was so good and yeah also very quickly i'm sorry if the audio sounds different i'm recording this on my phone because i'm editing and i don't feel like taking my camera out but basically right now i'm just gonna read some quotes that i really like from the book that i didn't mention in the episode And I feel like it would kind of do a disservice to the book if I didn't quote some of the things that were said, because it's so good. Okay, first one. Uh, Camilla, Billy's wife, said this to Karen when, when she was giving her advice. Okay, she said, If you come to me and ask me for advice, and then you don't take my advice, and it blows up in your face, exactly like I told you it would, what do you expect me to say? This is her kind of rationalizing why she would say I told you so after somebody messed up and I really relate to this. I understand when people don't take my advice but that's kind of what something I do sometimes and maybe I won't say I told you so but I will definitely think it because if I give you advice and I take energy out of my day to give you advice and you don't take it and you don't expect me to bring that up again so that next time I give you advice you kind of think a little bit. I don't know. (laughs) That's on you, not on me. Okay, next one. So Daisy said this one, kind of talking about Billy and that whole situation. She said, did Billy's actions warrant a song? Probably not. I mean, no, they didn't, but that's the thing. Art doesn't owe anything to anyone. Songs are about how it felt, not the facts. Self-expression is about what it feels like to live, not whether you have the right to claim any emotion at any time. Did I have the right to be mad at him? Did he do anything wrong who cares who cares i hurt so i wrote about it okay so this is the last one and this is directly kind of talking about toxic relationships and how it affects everyone involved okay so billy said this in reference to his wife he said i'd hurt camilla god knows i had but loving someone isn't perfection and good times and laughing and making love love is forgiveness and patience and faith and every once in a while it's a gut punch That's why it's a dangerous thing when you go loving the wrong person. When you love somebody who doesn't deserve it, you have to be with someone that deserves your faith and you have to be deserving of someone else's. It's sacred. So basically, I think that totally has to do with the theme and just the overall book because he's sort of saying, like, obviously it's inevitable that you're going to hurt each other. Like, you're going to be around each other all the time and people make mistakes. We're human, right? But he's also saying that sometimes people get themselves in relationships where you give that faith and you give that love to them and they give it back to you as well but they're not necessarily the right person to give that to because you might not be compatible and the second you guys mess up something bad's gonna happen because even though you're dedicating all this time and effort to each other it's just not right sometimes that happens and i honestly think that is what happens with toxic relationships a lot of the time people don't make sense together whether it's like friendships or not they just don't make sense together and then all of a sudden, when things are you know, going down and the relationship is ending, you're fighting so hard for something that's ultimately hurting you. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But I really wanted to share those quotes. And yeah. Okay, so that is it for this episode. Thank you guys so much. Uh, DM me, email me if you guys want. I haven't checked that email in a while. <laughs> but I will check it soon. And yeah, tell me what you guys think about these different stories um but yeah bye